0: Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Amen. Good morning, church. Okay, I got a question for you. Who remembers what is the purpose of a parable? Do you recall a parable is an earthly story revealing a spiritual reality? Or, as Pastor Scott put it, a parable is a is a, is a story that kind of gives you a punch in the stomach to give you some perspective. Don't, tell your, don't turn to your neighbor and ask if they want some perspective. <laughs> Today's message is about the parable of the shrewd manager. A shrewd manager is one who is smart, maybe even calculating, uh, perhaps even cunning or conniving. And the text can be broken down into two parts. It's found in Luke chapter 16, and the two parts are, number one is the parable, that's part one. Part two is the application. And so here it is in Luke chapter 16, beginning in verses one and two. He also said, the reason Jesus says also, or the reason it, uh, Luke says also is because Jesus had been t- telling a number of parables back to back. So he also said to the disciples, "There was a rich man who had a manager and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management for you can no longer be manager. Verse three, and the manager said to himself, what shall I do? Since my master is taking the management away from me, I am not strong enough to dig and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. And so notice that the manager said to himself, the manager is talking to himself. So there you have it in the Bible, it's okay to talk to yourself. You can even answer yourself. You just can't argue with yourself. Then there's a problem. So the manager is talking to himself He said, I have a little bit of time and opportunity and I need to leverage it for my future. I need to use what little time I have to secure my future. Basically, he said, I need to have some friends who can take me in when I'm out of work. And so he's thinking to himself, how can I use what time and resources I have to secure my future? And so then we read on in verse five. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, He said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write down 80. Now take a moment to imagine yourself in this story. I want you to imagine maybe a large wholesale company And imagine one of the managers in the billing department. And imagine there are contracts with various vendors. And each of them have monthly invoices. And imagine the person in charge of the billing department is about to lose his job for failure of completing his responsibilities. And so he's given a two-day notice. And he's informed, I want your report on my desk Tuesday morning. I don't know why it is when you get fired, you get a very short notice, two days, if that, maybe less. But when you quit a job, you have to give your employer two weeks' notice. Something there is not fair. I don't know if you heard of Michael Jr. He's a stand-up comedian. He said, you know, you're supposed to give a two-week notice. He said, I ain't giving no two-week notice. He said, hey, boss, in two weeks, you're going to notice. I ain't been here in two weeks. (laughs) Some things are not fair. The manager in this story is given a short notice. And he's informed to give a financial report, let's say, Tuesday morning. And so on Monday, he calls the vendors, and he says, the boss has asked me to select a few of our best customers. And we want you to know that since you're such a loyal customer all these years, uh, we are offering you a holiday discount of 50% off your invoice this month as a Christmas bonus, just as a way of saying thank you. And so the vendor turns to him and says, Hey, pari, thanks, bro. <laughs> Merry <laughs> Christmas to you too. Hey, if you never need anything, just let me know, bro. I'll hook you up. <laughs> and so what is this guy doing? He's ripping off his boss as a way of buying friends. And then to everybody's surprise, the master actually commends the shrewd manager. Verse 8, we'll go there. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. Now, wait a minute. What? Why would the master commend dishonesty, especially if he was the victim? I mean, wouldn't you be upset? But he actually commends the shrewd manager. He commended him for leveraging his time and opportunities to secure his future. Now, the disciples who were listening might have been confused. And so then Jesus explains the story in verse 8, second part of verse 8. He explains the parable. He says, For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. He's talking about the people of this world, the unbelievers. These are people who don't even think in terms of eternity. He says, they are shrewder than people who do believe there is an eternity. The people of this world know how to take a little bit of time and opportunity that they have to make the most of what little time they have left here on earth. Learn the lesson from the shrewd manager. Even with the limited time that he had on earth, he used his time and his resourcefulness to make a difference for his future. Now, if an unbeliever who doesn't even believe in eternity will make the most of his time to make the most of his future, how much more shouldn't we as believers who do believe in eternity make the most of our time here on earth in light of the future? Amen? Amen. So that's the idea of the parable. If an unbeliever who doesn't even think about eternity will use and maximize his time to secure his future then how much more should we as believers maximize our resources in light of eternity? Amen? And so that's the point of this parable. But more important is the application. Where do we go from here? What does that mean to me? And it's at this point that Jesus gives three lenses for viewing money. Let me ask you this. What is the purpose of a lens? What is the purpose of a lens? Yes, make something clear, focus. So a lens allows you to see better. And so Jesus gives three lenses allowing us to have a better view of money. And the first lens helps us to see that money, helps us to see money as a tool. Money as a tool. Verse nine, Jesus said, I tell you, Make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Now, let me say a word about unrighteous wealth. Um, That term often hits readers the wrong way. Jesus is not saying get money by illegal means and then be generous with it, (laughs) okay? When it comes to wealth, unrighteous can mean three things. Number one, it could refer to how you got it. Was it legal? Or number two, it could refer to how do you plan to use it? Is it for a bad thing? Or number three, it could refer to the corrupting influence that money and wealth can have, which leads people to do bad things. And given the way that Jesus uses the term, the third explanation is most likely. Wealth has a corrupting influence. Now, money itself is not inherently evil, but... The love of money can be the source of many kinds of sin. So when Jesus says unrighteous wealth, he's talking about money and its potential to corrupt. We need to be aware. But how many of you know our God is a redeeming God? And he can take something or he can take someone and he can redeem them to their original purpose. God can do that with us and with our money. In verse 9, he shows us how. Let's read verse 9 again. I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails... Now, when does money fail? Well, one point for sure is when you're walking on streets of gold, green paper will mean absolutely nothing. (laughs) So that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. So here's the idea, God sees our stuff as a tool to help other people experience God. God sees our stuff as a tool to help other people experience God. There will be people in heaven when you use your worldly wealth to bring them to Christ. Now, I'll give you an example. When I was a student at the University of Hawaii, I was involved in campus ministry. And we were invited to a student conference in Kansas City. And Uh, most of us didn't have money to buy an airfare from, Can- from Honolulu all the way to Kansas, but a wealthy man bought our airfares for us. Now, after he wrote his check, he doesn't know what happened, but one day he's going to find out, because I'm going to somewhere in eternity. I'm going to meet him and invite him into my home and sit down over a cup of coffee. They have coffee in heaven, don't they? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're gonna sit down over a cup of coffee, and I'm gonna tell him the long story. That when I got to Kansas City, one of the guest speakers was Billy Graham, and he challenged all of us. There were 17,000 students. He challenged all of us to let Jesus be Lord of our lives. And I wrestled with that decision for two or three days. But as a result, I later would serve in a church whose vision is to make disciples in Micronesia and beyond. In the same way, I know there are some of you who are supporting the 10-day team to Pohnpei. We have 12 people, interestingly, 12 people who will be in Pohnpei in January. After the 10-day team leaves, Andy and Marion will stay another two months to make disciples and launch the first life group. The plan is for Nario to stay, be the life group leader. And Elmore is going to be going back and forth weekly as a support to the new believers. I'll tell you more about that at the end. So all of that to say, this is happening as we're praying and as we're trusting God to provide. And the whole point of this is to say that because of your giving, people in Ponape are going to receive Christ in 2017. And they're going to take the good news of God's grace, and they're going to share that with their friends and with their family. And from there, there's going to be a domino effect that you have even yet to imagine. And when you get to heaven, there will be certain people who will invite you into their homes, into their eternal dwellings. And they're going to sit down with you over a cup of coffee, and they're going to share with you how you helped send somebody to Pohnpei that touched their life with the good news of God's love. And there'll be a domino effect from there that you're going to hear the rest of the story. Verse 9, you will be received into eternal dwellings. That's the first lens, money as a tool. The second lens Jesus gives us to clarify our view of money is this, money as a test. Verse 10, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? And when Jesus talked about being faithful in a very little thing, do you know what he was talking about? He was talking about money. And notice how he describes money. He says, money is a very little thing. That's a different lens. He said, he who is faithful in this very little thing called money is also faithful in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust true riches to you? So this very little thing called money, it doesn't belong to you, you can't keep it. As Pastor Scott made clear last week, it's only a test. Let me, let me remind you of a helpful tip for taking tests. I had a chemistry class. And when we got the test results back, it was an exam, large exam for the semester. I got a 98%. One of my friends sitting next to me said, wow, and I could tell by the expression on his face, he thought I was really smart. But it's not that I was so smart. It's just that I knew what was going to be on the test. Now, I didn't cheat. I didn't get the exam in advance. What happened was the day before the professor came in, And he rattled off all the concepts that would be on the test. It was too many and too quick for anybody to write down notes. But I happened to be recording the lecture. And later that night, I would replay it. And I would listen to every single item that was going to be on the test. And that's what I studied. And that's why I was able to do well. The point is this. In the kingdom of God, you don't have to be very smart. You just have to know what's on the test. And one of the test items is revealed right here in Luke chapter 16. In this parable, Jesus tells us what the test question is. And he not only gives the question, he tells us the answer. The question is this, what did you do with what you had? And then he tells the answer, use your worldly wealth to make friends who will welcome you into their eternal dwellings. And the only way they can do this is if they have a room upstairs. In my Father's house are many rooms. Amen? Money is a test. And for those who pass the test, there is a reward. You will receive true riches that you can keep. Riches that you can keep for eternity. This parable is not about what the church wants from you. This parable is about what God wants for you. This life is an internship for the age to come. And money is a test. And what you do with it partially determines your reward in heaven. So Jesus gives us three lenses to clarify our view about money. The first lens reveals money as a tool. The second lens reveals money as a test. And the third lens reveals money as a trap. Verse 13. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So how, how is it that money becomes a trap? Money becomes a trap when it becomes more important than God. No servant can serve two masters. He cannot serve both God and money. If God is not first in your life, then nothing else will be in order in your life. When God is first in your life, then everything else will fall into order in your life. When God is not first, when we don't fully trust him, and we don't fully trust in his ways, then we can be subject to fear. If we're not absolutely convinced in our heart that he's the provider and that he's got my back and that he will take care of me, then we can fall into worry. We can fall into anxiety. And when fear is present, we may resort to other means in order to secure our needs, in order to get them met. And so one of those means is to go into debt. And very often we will live beyond our means and borrow because we're afraid somehow our needs will not get met. As a result of having debt, then we feel the pressure to work harder. And that can be another trap. Trap gets a little tighter. And then as a result of working harder, we can begin to neglect the Sabbath. And that lack of rest can begin to affect our health and the trap gets a little tighter. All of these things can lead to the trap getting tighter and tighter. Now, what I just described to you is the lifestyle of people who work a lot. But there's an opposite response. Sometimes we can kind of give up hope and get discouraged and say, well, you know what, I'm not going to try. I'm not going to work at all. And yet the love of money can still be in our hearts. And so then that causes us to do things like to use people or to gamble, or to lie, or to steal. Because how else do you get your needs met if you're not working? And so it leads to all, the love of money leads to all sorts of sin. If money is a trap, what is the bait? What is the attraction? What is the thing that lures us toward the trap? The attraction is the idea that things will satisfy. Things will satisfy. Why is Black Friday so popular? (laughs) You know, if I just get that new phone, get that new car, get that new whatever, I'll be happy. I feel better. Now, there's nothing wrong with phones and cars and nice things. Nothing wrong with any of those. Uh, God created needs. He uses them to draw us into relationship. The real issue is how do we get our needs met? Am I looking to things or am I looking to God? And the answer will determine whether or not money is a tool or a trap. I'll tell you a true story of a test which revealed if money would be a tool or a trap. And uh, it's a story about Elmore and Jen. I asked them earlier if I could share this story. Uh, Some of you may not know, Jen used to work for Delta. And in 2015, she received notice that Delta was downsizing and there was a list of people that they were letting go and she happened to be one of them. Uh, She wasn't the uh, shrewd manager. That's not why they let her go. (laughs) But they were downsizing, and it was really difficult news uh, for her, for the whole family. Uh, They were given notice that in December would be her last month, and so they were really just pressing into God and really just, you know, seeking, Lord, what is going on? You know, I What's gonna happen? How are we gonna make ends meet? Are we gonna have to move, get a job else? I I don't know what, Lord, what's going on? And so December came and went, and uh, she was out of a job. In 2016, United, um, she got a job with United. And the job was executive marketing, and it required traveling through Micronesia, all the islands. And it turns out that Elmore would also have a family pass to be able to travel in the islands. And my mind got to thinking. I don't know how many of you know, Elmore, some time ago, he went to California to do a wedding for a friend. And I saw the picture on Facebook. And I thought, hmm, Elmore has a minister's license. (laughs) That's interesting. My mind started rolling. (laughs) And then I heard his heart as we were just getting to know each other, and I know he has a heart for church planting. And God just put an idea in my mind, and I met with him and Jen maybe two months ago. And I said, hey, um, the church is growing, and we have a great vision. And the more hands, the better. We can't do it alone. And I said, would you be willing to prayerfully consider being involved uh, with our church on staff as church planter and worship pastor? And he said, when I said that, the hair on his skin stood up. And he said, an interesting thing happened. He was getting ready for the semester. He was going to his classroom. He teaches music at Beneventi Middle School. He was in the classroom preparing. And while he was there, the Lord said to him, you're done here. He was like, what? And the Lord said, you're done here. And he was like, what does that mean? (laughs) I mean, it just kind of shocked him. We're okay. Um, And he didn't even mention it to Jen because it was kind of like this big, big question mark. Until we met together at the coffee shop and we're talking about this, and Jen just had tears strolling down her cheeks. She said her and Elmore had been talking about serving the Lord full time for, since they got married. And so there was just confirmation that God was in it. And, you know, this was a situation which was a test for them. And how they responded would determine whether or not money was a tool or a trap. And as Elmore and I began to talk, uh, he um, has been talking to other people um, from all of his contacts from the past, friends, family, relatives, about raising support so that he could come on staff in January. Now, this is kind of a soft opening, soft announcement about Elmore, but this year, Sunday, is January 1st, the first of the new year, and we're going to have a dedication service for Elmore and for Jen. And so, I'm I'm just, there's all kinds of confirmations about God being in the vision to go and make disciples in Micronesia and beyond, because I can tell you, uh, not a day goes by where I don't think about how are we going to accomplish the assignment that God has given us as a church. And so uh, Nario made it clear that God had called him to go back to Ponipe, but my thought was I can't send him by himself. He needs support. And so I prayed, Lord, could you give me a family pass so I could travel to the islands and be a support? Because it's just too expensive to fly back and forth every week. And then I heard that Elmore got that with Jen's job. And I realized, Lord, Elmore is the man. (laughs) And so I met with him at a coffee shop. And then he began raising support. And uh, his first ministry partner was a guy that I met in South Africa at the World Conference. And I was telling him the same story that I just told you. And after I was done, he leaned over to his wife and he said, you know what? We should call Elmore to support him. And so he connected with this guy. And the guy apologetically said, hey, bro, I want to support you, but I'm so sorry. I can't be very much. I can only do $200 a month at this, at this time. He said, but when things are better, I'll increase it. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> that was first one, you know, like a home run. And since then, I, just a lot of people have come on his team to be a part of that. And we as a church are going to be his biggest partner, but he's also raising support to uh, help the effort because... Micronesia and beyond, that's bigger than our church right here. Uh, The more hands, the better, because God is calling us as a team to fulfill his assignment. Amen? And so, I just want to encourage you um, as your pastor about this whole area of giving. You know, as I'm talking, oftentimes what can happen in a message like this is when people hear the word money mentioned from the front, there kind of be a little yellow flag that can go up, you know, it's like, okay. You know, what, what's behind this? You know, is, is there a need? Is something going on? And I want to let you know that actually we have the opposite situation. Uh, I want to let you know, you should know that 2016 has been the largest tithe in the history of Life in the Sun Woo! Christian Fellowship. And I want to encourage you and let you know that I'm proud of you as your pastor for your heart of giving. You know, it's evident to me that for many of us, money is not a trap. Money is a tool. And we are moving forward to accomplish the vision that God has for us to make disciples in Micronesia and beyond. Amen. Having said that, um, I'd like to close in prayer. And so if you would bow your heads and close your eyes. And as we often do, I'd like you just to turn your attention toward the Lord and just spend some quiet time, some private time with him, just to do some business with God. If you would kind of just be at peace and at rest, just kind of connect heart and mind and become one with God just abide in him and say Lord what are you saying to me father what is it that you're speaking to me what am I supposed to get from your word today and if you would take a minute just to kind of process that just take time If you're sensing something, I want to invite you just to take a moment to do business with God. Take some time just to respond to what it is you sense the Lord is saying to you. Father, I thank you so much that you are with us. God, thank you that we are not alone. Thank you, Lord, that we have your presence and your love and your provision. God, whatever it is that you're speaking to each of your sons and daughters here today, Lord, I ask that you would be the one to work in them and through them and enable them to accomplish the very thing that you're leading them to do. God, would you strengthen their faith, their love, their hope, Holy Spirit, would you take what it is that you're doing among us and seal it in our hearts and make it a part of who we are. Lord, we ask that you would fulfill our destiny as individuals, as husbands and wives, as families, and as a church family, and as your church. If you would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up But I want to speak to a different group here in the auditorium tonight. There may be some of you, as you listen to me, talk about God and his kingdom, that this is something that's been on your heart. And you're here today not just because you want to do a a ritual or a religious thing, but you're seeking. And you're seeking after God. And today you came here because you needed to hear from him and you want to experience him. And if that describes you, and you've never made a formal decision to invite God into your life, if you've never made a conscious choice, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. There's no magical words. There's no formula. God just knows your heart. That's what's important. But we are going to talk to him just to express a desire to experience him. And so I'm going to pray out loud, and I invite you just to hitchhike on my words. God will hear you. All right, let's pray god i'm here today i present myself to you lord and i ask that you would show yourself to me i need you lord you know what's going on in my life and i ask you to come and be involved with me and what's happening lord i open the door of my heart, I open my mind, my spirit, my innermost being, and I invite your spirit to come and be with me. I open up to you. Father, I thank you that you're forgiving and kind. I thank you for Jesus and what he did on the cross for me. And today I'm making a choice to invite Jesus into my heart. I'm inviting your spirit into my life. And I thank you for forgiving me. I thank you for what Jesus did on the cross. And I ask you to forgive me for the things I've done that have been hurtful to myself, to others. And if you're praying that prayer right now, just want you to take a moment to receive God's forgiveness and his kindness. It's for you and it's for now. And just allow him to come in and to remove any guilt, any shame, any accusation, any self-condemnation. Holy Spirit, would you clon- would you come and just cleanse and wash away all of those dark feelings and replace it with the joy of your love and forgiveness. And God, I thank you for coming into my life. I ask that you would show yourself to me, make yourself real to me, make me the kind of person you want me to be. I ask in Jesus' name.